Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, you might not know it, but DC is in the middle of a drought. But we've also had flooding in the city, so how can both things be true? And should we be conserving water? Jacob Fenston explains what you need to know about DC's drought conditions. Today's Monday, September 11th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. So, Jacob, I didn't actually know this, but DC is in a bit of a drought right now. How did we get here? Yeah, I mean, you might not notice, like, it's just kind of always green here in the summer, right? Like, it doesn't look like a drought necessarily. But it started pretty early in the spring, which is typically, you know, pretty rainy time of year here. It was very dry, if you recall, May, like it didn't rain at all. That was the third driest May on record, I believe. The driest since 1999, I think. And then we got some rain in July, but it's sort of been off and on these longish dry spells. And that has added up. We're about five inches behind normal in terms of uh, rainfall for the year. And the Potomac River, if you've like been out to Great Falls recently, you'll notice the water levels are quite low right now. Okay, so forgive me if this is kind of a stupid question, but there's also been massive flash floods in D.C. Mm -hmm. So how can both of these things be true at once? How could we be experiencing flash floods, but also be in a drought? Right. Um, Yeah. So unfortunately, a lot of the rain that we have gotten has come in these big kind of one-time events. And uh, that water washes down the drains into the Potomac River and out to the Chesapeake Bay, into the ocean. So it doesn't necessarily really help with the drought if it all comes like in a few hours and then it's dry for another long, long period. So we have both experienced some extreme rain events, flooding. A lot of that has been in the news, but at the same time, we've been experiencing these longer periods of of dry weather. Is this unusual for the area? Like, has it happened before? Uh, Yes and yes. I mean, it it is unusual and it has happened before. So I've been here for about a little bit over a decade. I've been covering the environment for, you know, more than five years here. And I've never really thought about drought here. I, I grew up in California. So this was like something I'm used to thinking about all the time, but haven't really thought about here. This is the first time I've really covered it very much as a reporter there were very serious droughts in the 1930s, 1960s, and then again, right around the turn of the century, 1999-2000. Those experiences actually did lead to some planning and some uh, infrastructure creation that has put us in a better place today than we were, say, in the in the 1960s. But it is something that can happen here. And it's also something that I think we can expect to happen more with climate change. And we can talk more about that. But You know, I think a lot of times we think about climate change in this region, it's going to be wetter, there's going to be more rain, there's going to be more flooding, there's going to be sea level rise, but there's also going to be an increased risk of drought. Kind of like with the wildfires this year, you know, 
that's not a, a climate impact we think about in this part of the world. But obviously, uh, we can also feel those effects. That's so interesting. Are there other types of impacts of climate change that we might not be thinking of or might not be high on our radar in this area that actually might be part of our reality going forward? I mean, I think wildfires, smoke from wildfires and drought are three that sort of came onto my radar, especially this summer. The smoke this summer obviously was mostly coming from Canada, but we can also have wildfires in the eastern U.S. You know, Quebec usually doesn't catch on fire in the summer, but it did this year. In the same same token, you know, the eastern U.S. used to have wildfires that used to be part of the landscape, and we eradicated that through how we've developed and managed forests. But we could still have wildfires, and obviously, droughts, um, droughts and wildfires go hand in hand. Yeah, it's comforting to know that we eradicated them in this area at one time, but <laughs> I would not put it past us <laughs> to bring them back. Yeah, Native Americans used fire to sort of shape the landscape pre-European arrival, and fire was, was part of the landscape for a long time. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So I know that D.C. typically gets water to folks via the Potomac River. How exactly does that work? There's something called the Washington Aqueduct, which uh, sucks in a bunch of water at Great Falls, and it uses gravity to send it downhill to the District of Columbia, and I think Arlington is also part of it. It it comes into our, our pipes that way. There's been some thought recently that we need to have kind of a backup place to get water also, because if something were to happen to that system or if somehow the Potomac were contaminated, there is no other way to get water into the pipes in D.C. besides the Potomac River. But yeah, the Potomac is is where our water comes from. So then what's the plan to get water to residents if this drought does continue? The, the sort of backup plan currently is upstream reservoirs. So three of them in the Potomac watershed where they can release water from the reservoir and it will travel downstream and basically refill the river when the water levels get low. The biggest one is up in West Virginia. It's sort of on the border with Maryland in the Maryland panhandle. It's called Randolph Jennings. <laughs> and it is uh, about 900 acres. And they 
you know, frequently they release water for whitewater rafting. So it's like a recreation thing. And um, you can go up there and, and you know, wait for the, the water to come pouring out of the dam and, and have fun. But uh, they also can release water to, to deal with the low flow levels on the Potomac. Oh, that's interesting. So in order to get more water upstream, D.C. would then have to coordinate with Maryland or Virginia to get more water? Yeah, so there's actually an entity called the Interstate Commission on the Potomac River Basin. They are one of the groups that is you know, closely monitoring the drought conditions here. And they basically you know, do the math, look at how much water is being withdrawn, how much water is flowing in the river. And if needed, they tell the reservoirs, we need more water. Part of that equation is that there needs to be 100 million gallons of water flowing in the river each day just to sort of maintain the aquatic ecosystem. So if it gets close to that level, if we would be withdrawing enough water that it would get close to that level, then that's when they would need to release more water from upstream. So being from California, I imagine that you're really familiar with water conservation efforts. You know, don't water your lawn a certain amount or different kinds of policies to get folks to conserve water. Do you see that happening in D.C.? Yeah, it certainly could happen. I mean, the sort of longer term forecasts this fall suggest that and also kind of history suggests that in the fall, droughts tend to clear up and and we are expecting more rain this month. So Hopefully, it'll get better soon. But the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments is the entity that sort of um, keeps an eye on this, and they could declare a drought watch, which would be um, the next step in in terms of um, water conservation. And in that stage, they would basically be asking people to conserve water voluntarily. So that would be things like, yeah, not watering in the middle of the day, not washing your car at home, that sort of thing. And there are further steps down the road if the situation does not improve that would involve mandatory water conservation. But we're still a ways away from that kind of thing. I would note that there are some places in the region west of here in Virginia that are in a a little bit more of a severe drought situation. Places like Front Royal, which relies on the Shenandoah River, they do already have mandatory water conservation measures in place. So for example, you are not allowed to water during the day, you're not allowed to wash your car, and if you break the rules, they will fine you $1,000. So that's um, sort of where DC could be headed, but we're not there yet. So what's on tap for the future of water conservation and drought management in DC? Yeah, I mean, I think the sort of ongoing conversation moving forward is kind of like about that secondary source of water. And there is a bill in Congress that uh, would do two things, one of which I'm very excited about, which is that it would fund a study of where the best swimming beaches could be on in the District of Columbia as the rivers get cleaner. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. I hope it gets funding. And the other thing is that it would study the possibility of a secondary uh, source of drinking water for the District of Columbia. And maybe that's a little bit more important than the swimming beaches, but uh, I don't know. So I think that is is sort of an ongoing conversation. Um, there's some studies that have been done in terms of like building a new reservoir in an old quarry north of here to that would actually instead of you know just putting water in the Potomac, it could directly supply water to DC as a sort of a second source besides the river. This is still something that people are thinking about and trying to make the region more resilient. Jacob, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Before you go, here's some quick news. Starting today, Metro is running more frequently during peak commute times. 
Red line trains will be running every five minutes, green and yellow lines every six minutes, and blue and silver line trains every 10 minutes. Happy Monday. Meanwhile, many D.C. classrooms were without AC during last week's record-breaking September heat wave. Currently, there are more than 80 high-priority work orders for malfunctioning HVAC systems across D.C. public schools. The city says crews are working as fast as they can, and they've already completed more than 1,700 work orders related to schools' temperature systems this year. And finally, continuing the city government exodus, three notable officials are leaving Mayor Muriel Bowser's administration. The director of the District Department of Transportation, the head of the mayor's office on veteran affairs, and the director of the Department of Small and Local Business Development will all be leaving their roles in the coming weeks. These departures add to the abnormal amount of turnover that has occurred since Bowser inaugurated her third term. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, share it with your friend who's so sick of this hot weather. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.